So here it is, Merry Christmas, and just for once we're actually pleased to see the back of the pantomime season in pro cycling. I'm Gary, and welcome to your festive edition of the Saturday Supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivlavello.cc. Welcome everybody to the last Saturday supplement of 2023. Wow, when did we start doing this? March. And um, so, if you've been here since the beginning, thank you for your uh, your indefatigability um, and for for still be- being here at the end of the year. Um, the story of this week, the main one, obviously, is the the saga. The oh yes he is, oh no he isn't story of Kian Outerbrooks and um, briefly Schrödinger's GC contender simultaneously holding a contract with uh, Bora Hansgrohe, his uh, his uh, incumbent team, um, and also with t- the team to become known as UL Visma Lisa Bike. That, that's going to take a while, isn't it, to bed in, really? Um, if you know, if you've been hiding under a rock for the last couple of months, um, Uterbrooks um, unilaterally binned his contract with Bora Hansgrohe um, to sign for then Jumbo Visma um, and the the Dutch team had an announcement on Twitter and it was saying, we've got our man. Um, and Bora Hans grew up, you know, very quietly and very politely said, oh, oh do you think so? Um, Uteberuk subsequently gla- claimed that there was a, a culture of bullying at the team, particularly at the Vuelta, where he was um, found himself battling against his teammate Alexander Vlasov um, for GC standings. Um, obviously, that le- in turn led to denials, naturally, and retorts um, from some of his teammates, you know, saying that Maybe he's not as good as he or everybody else thinks he is. So really classy stuff. Um, to be fair, um, you know the, the rider himself kind of kept himself quiet. Um, and at the start of this week, obviously we we realised that uh, he was officially registered for twenty twenty four as a Bora Hansgrohe rider. Oh, that was complicated. Um, he was seen at the uh, the the Visma training camp in, in Spain, riding in in what they call um, neutral colours, don't they? Um, in civvies, basically. Um, and then Thursday, yesterday, um, we we sat down to watch the uh, the, the the media presentation um, for of the new team for twenty twenty four. Would he turn up? And lo and behold, they are nestled on the couch between Ben Tullet and uh, Matteo Jorgensen. Um, there he was, Kian Oktobrooks, um, talking of you know, how he wanted to be happy in the team and talking about you know, targeting stage wins at next year's Giro, where Wout van Aert um, and Olaf Coy will also join him. Um, so yeah, that was potentially a, um, a, a cat amongst the pigeons. Um, but later in the day, Bora Hansgrohe subsequently issued a statement um, saying that they'd agreed to, to release him to Visma Lisa Bike. Um, and wishing him all the best, um, which, you know, was a kind of grown-up way of doing it. And it's, we've spoken before, I think when you have a rider who says he doesn't want to ride for you, then you're kind of stuffed. Um, you know, it's not as if you can stick him on the substitute's bench as a punishment or not ride him. It's, it just becomes a drag on your wage bill. Um, the UCI this morning... Um, 
confirmed that it's Friday morning as we as I speak. Um, we confirmed the transfer today, um, saying that he is now has been released. They've authorised it, um, and all is well in the world. Now, one of our contacts in Belgium, who will remain nameless, um, suggests that the the claims of bullying might not be as wide of the mark. I mean, obviously Bernie Eisel had come out. Uh, one of the directors at Bora Hansgrohe um, had come out and said this is this is nonsense. The team principal said no, this is news to me, um, and. Yeah, our, our man in, in Belgium, um, the Belgian media possibly suggesting that the claims might not be quite as wide of the mark as some doubters might think. And, you know, if this being the case, then obviously Bora Hansgrohe may not exactly have covered themselves in glory. Um, although that may then explain why they've, they chose to keep a, a reasonable and dignified silence on the matter until now. Um, on another note, this, this is another shambles involving Roger Pluger. Um, you know, did you watch the Vuelta a España in 2023? Um, and you kind of get the feeling that this, if some grown-ups had actually got together in the first place here, um, then we would all actually be talking about looking forward to, to Kian riding for the biggest and the best men's cycling team in the world right now, instead of wondering what the hell just happened here. Um, so yeah, um, sticking with contract breaking and sticking with Jumbo Visma or Visma Lisa Bike as they now are. Um, yeah, it's not as bad as I'm about to go. But both uh, Jonas Vingegaard and Sepp Kuss have quote broken open their existing contracts with the team and have chosen to extend uh, Vingegaard to the end of 2028 and Sepp Kuss um, to the end of 2027. So. Uh, it's obviously a good place to be, isn't it? Um, in a twist, um, related or a related twist, it had been reported in the Belgian press that the team um, has been considering a name change um, to Yellow B, or at least something along those lines that would stave off um, sponsor-dependent name changes in the future. Um, and they were saying that they would plan to stick with the yellow and black. Well, I'm sure yellow is a, predominantly a, a Yumbo colour, isn't it? Um, so that's an odd one. Um, but the whole thing is is not a bad idea in terms of fan engagement, in terms of recognising your team. You know, we are the Yellow Bees, we are Visma Lisa Bike, um, and our new groovy, a bit more yellow um, than previously. Our new groovy kit um, makes us recognisable on the road. Um, then why not? Um, and, you know, it's not as if tomorrow in the, the the English Premiership that Standard Chartered um, are playing the Emirates. Um, that's Liverpool playing Arsenal, for those of you that don't follow the round ball game. Um, as I said, it's, it's, it's an idea I quite like. Um, but if cycling were ever to move to that kind of model and if the Wolfpack is anything to go by, then I kind of fear that we'd end up with 18 teams with names kind of akin to gangs of continuing the football analogy actually 1980s hooligans you know the casual movement um, the 700 watt crew the Girona service course um, the Ardennes cleat boys and the Mayo Rouge brigades kind of spring to my twisted mind um, I'd rather than you know rest day drug busts in Pyrenean cities and um, we might be looking at organised violence and, and the, the air de service uh, up and down l'autoroute network so yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. I think that um, Roger Pluger, um, I was slagging him a bit earlier, I think he's keen to try and make this happen. Um, and, I, you know, that would be really, really interesting concept. And it's probably one we've spoken about on the Feed Zone and the, and the many occasions where we, we've fixed cycling. That's a Feed Zone that's on our, on our premium feed. Um, but yeah, why not have team names that are team names and don't change 
every other year. So looking forward to see how that goes. A good idea and actually, you know, a, a good news to store, a new, good news story even uh, to wrap up um, our Visma Lisa bike tales um, for this week. Of course, it's not just the road that provides bonuses for the lawyers around Christmas. Um, we heard this week that the UCI have declared um, an international Kieran series as being a forbidden event under their rules. Ooh, that sounds very murky, doesn't it? Um, Derby Wheel. I'm guessing it's not Derby, um, as in you know, English city. Um, Derby Wheel looking to launch an international Kieran series um, across Europe, Asia and Oceania um, in April 2024 with a prize pot of nearly half a million pounds for every round. Um, there are inductions being held in Manchester and Melbourne over the next few weeks um, to see if any of the 400 applicants are actually up to it. Um, the exhibition race to kick things off is planned for the Lee Valley Velodrome in London in March. Now, the series actually sounds pretty exciting. One, Kieran racing's brilliant. Um, it's going to be a fortnightly three-day regular races um, between April and October, um, which obviously is at the height of the road season. Um, three times a year, there will be um, Grand Prix events, um, including at the end of the year, the World Kieran King of King. Um, and there'll also be weekly um, events um, from October on as well, which, yeah, well, that'll kind of clash with the, the Champions League. Um... The UCI have said that they don't have all the information to decide whether it meets um, their, their rules and regulations against safeguarding and um, um, integrity and all that, um, which that, that Derby people say they've submitted the report set how they do that. Um, and so, you know, the, the UCI have said that it, you know, it, unless they've, they've given the approval um, or declare, I don't know, pr- presumably de- declare it, you know, an unforbidden event, um, riders could potentially be fined up to £9,000, 10000 Swiss francs, or even face a, a, up to a six-month suspension. Um, it does, however, seem that the, the grown-ups are actually in the room, um, and there seems to be dialogue between Derby Wheel and the UCI um, before um, a, a final announcement is made um, on whether it is actually allowed. Um, but obviously it's aimed at, well, as well as being, you know, for fans in, you know, in Europe and Asia, Oceania, South Korea, named Australia, um, obviously the UK, um, we'll be looking at another velodromes across across the three continents, um, which is quite exciting. Um, obviously, there's a huge um, uh, betting community around Kieran racing, which obviously in, in Japan. Um, the, initially, we kind of thought this was being the UCI saying betting is bad, okay. Um, but it seems to be more around how are you going to deal with anti-doping and all those kind of things. How are you going to safeguard riders? Um, so yeah, these are good things. I don't. It's not necessarily a UCI bad story. Um, I really hope it comes off. It sounds um, like it could be absolutely mental. Um, obviously, it doesn't have a big impact from a from a roadie perspective. But to see these mad men and women um, throwing themselves around uh, velodromes. Um, you know, regularly is no bad thing. It's good. You know, we, we we chatted about the uh, the the UCI Track Champions League um, at the end of the the road season, which yeah, you know, actually just it just concluded, um, and how exciting and engaging that is. Um, something with a similar format, and if you, I'll put a link in the in the show notes to Derby Wheel, um, but it looks like a pretty intense format. Um, you know, money up for grabs potentially the big sponsors lined up we're told um so what's not to like so let's keep an eye on that i will report back as soon as i hear more um but yeah that's, that could be quite good 
back to the roads and you could always be forgiven for uh, not noticing that the, the route of the 2024 Vuelta a España was announced um, at the start of the week. Um, I'd said last week that uh, Javier Guillén, the, the race director, had hinted to the Spanish media that there would be fewer transfers um, and the rest day one transfer um, is a whopping 975 kilometres between Granada, this is at the end of stage 9, um, and Ponte Arias um, at the start of stage 10. Um, yeah, it's a rest day of Granada, but it's a transfer day. Um, and it actually tops by some considerable margin um, the transfer to uh, Valladolid at the same stage, actually, um, from Caravaca de la Cruz, um, which was a mere 600 kilometres. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of dotted lines on the Vuelta map uh, for 2024, but the highlights are 21 stages. Well, that that's how it is, isn't it, Gary? Uh, 3,265 kilometres. That's 110 further than 2023. Eight mountain stages, five medium mountain stages, nine summit fit finishes, including the, the Pico de Vuercas in stage four. Week two has a couple of ghosts of Vuelta's past in fairly quick succession. Uh, Puerto de Encares in stage 13, which you may recall uh, Alberto Contador beating Chris Froome in 2014. Uh, Quiti Negre in stage 15, which was last featured in 2012 uh, when Astana's Dario Cataldo won ahead of Thomas de Gent, if memory serves. Yeah, if memory serves. As if my notes I am reading from you uh, are correct. Um, and stay. Yeah, that's that was up to stage 15. And the final week kicks off um, with a finish on the, the now fairly regular Lagos de Covadonga. Uh, the race is bookended by individual time trials, 12 kilometres from Lisbon to Oerias on stage one and concluding in Madrid with a 22 kilometre time trial at the, the very end um so it could have well have implications for gc potentially 22 kilometers it's a decent size in it um i guess the vuelta organizers will be hoping for that um but yeah we'll see it's it's difficult to say anything remotely you know insightful about a race that's nine months away um or even just if you're me um, it depends largely on who turns up and actually what happens in the first eight or nine months of the of the season um it's going to be harder than the previous, you know, the 2023 race. That's kind of what they set out to do. And they've already said, how you know, how do we improve? And by improve, we mean make it even harder. So we've got a Vuelta, we've got a route. This is good. You're listening to the festive Saturday supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast powered by vivlavelo.cc. Now, cyclocross is the, the really the only event in town uh, right now, and we are what an event or series of events that has been over the last few weeks. Um, we were getting all excited the last time we spoke about Matthew Van Der Poel and Tom Bidcock returning to racing um, at last weekend's uh, X2O Trophy uh, around Herenthal. Um, but the women's race, we saw Femme Van Empel make it three from three in the series, um, made to fight for it by Lucinda Brand, who just really. Um, been on the up since she returned from injury, injury this season, um, and and Anna Marie Worst was the the best of the rest in the women's race. Um, Matthew Van der Poel taking a, you know, an impressive and you know by no means unpredictable win in the men's race. Um, he had a good gap on Tom Pidcock um, and Lars van der Haar, um, finishing in third place. Lars obviously being one of the regulars. Um, yeah. 
good to see them back racing. You know, I've had, I've had my misgivings. It's not so good if they come up and wipe the floor with everybody. But yeah, it was a convincing win. But I don't think it, it was. It was not quite as as you know rubbing people's noses in it as Wout Van Aert had been the, the previous week. The World Cup returned to Namur in Belgium on Sunday. Celine Del Carmen Alvarado um, taking an impressive win. Um, made to work for it again. Um, with uh, Lucinda Brand, um, but yeah, she looked good throughout, and I think it was a a real, I think a, a confidence booster because she's had a couple of wobbles, um, over the last couple of rounds, um, but just you know, really good to see her winning again, getting things back together, um, and continues to to lead the series, um, as we go to the turn of the year. Tom Pidcock making his World Cup, um, debut this season, um, starting from the back and really an impressive win ahead of Yuri Newenhouse. Um, waiting until I think the second last lap before he made his move, um, but a really, I think a, a, a real tactical win rather than perhaps Matthew Vanderpool just utter domination um, the previous day, um, and he's again looking good um, and you know, in, in, in decent shape. This brings us to the absolute mayhem um, that the Christmas period brings to the world of cyclocross. Um, as I speak. Um, Lucinda Brand won the women's um, round three of exact cross at Mole um, in the sand. Um, just again, really has has come to is peaking. I think right now, um, and just just impressive on uh, the in the sand and on, on the mixed terrain at Mole. Um, if I sounds as if I'm kind of catching up, I am. I, I watched it and haven't really had have a chance to process it. Um, in the men's race, Matthew van der Poel and Wout van Aert will be going at it um, as literally as I speak. Um, that then leads us to Saturday to the World Cup Round 9 Antwerp, where for the first time this season, van der Poel, van Aert and Pidcock, um, the big three, um, go head-to-head. Um, and they repeat that on Boxing Day at Gavera um, for Round 10 of the World Cup, 26th of December. Um, we then have moved to 27th, Super Prestige, round 6 at Zolder. The following day, round 7 um, at Degum. Um, the 29th, Exact Cross, round 4, Loonhut at Aizen Cross. Um, the 30th, World Cup is back at Hulst. Um, and again, we have the big three uh, racing. Um, that's round 11 of the World Cup. Um, and a New Year's Day, um, It's uh, we go to Baal for the... Uh, the the Grand Prix Sven-Nice, or Sven-Nice rather, um, in the X2O Trophy. So there's absolutely, you know, just cyclocross end to end. So you really only have to put up your family on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And yeah, <laughs> get your, your uh, I almost called it GCN, may it rest in peace, um, your Discovery Plus um, subscription together and watch that. In fact, the races today are, are on Eurosport, so you might not even need that. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a, I, I love this time of year uh, for cyclocross. It's, it's the, it really got me got me interested a few years ago and used to sit and do the Turnbow and watch um, the, the Boxing Day and the, the stuff on the 27th. And Yeah, it's it, it, as I always say, it's going to be good. We've got big names, big races, mad Belgians at Christmas. What more could you want? So this has been... The Saturday supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, and our festive, our festive show would would not be complete without wrapping up the the results of our festive peloton competition. Um, if you recall, a few weeks ago, I asked you to submit your uh, festive 
or cycling themed festive names or festive themed cycling names whether it be a bike race whether it be a bike rider or a bike team um, and we've had, had quite a good response um, from, by email um, thanks to everybody who uh, who has contributed for better or for worse um, well, I'll give you an example of the kind of things we, we've been get, getting um, racing today at, at Mall Belgian cyclocross legend uh, Hanu Kant I'm not quite sure about that one but yeah thank you um, Lucinda Brandybutter um, won, the winner today um yeah, that's a, that's a bit more like it. Christingle Myers or Christingle Horner, Christingle Froome, etc., etc. Yeah, we'll let you with that. Um, Elizabeth Lehem Dignan. Yeah, I I I, I sniggered at that. Um, Frankenstein Schleck Vandenbroek. Yep. Um, or oh, X Greenage and uh, Jaco Aussie Cameron Moore. See what you all did there. Um, however, there can only be one winner um, and the signed copy of Chris Sidwell's TI Rally Cycling's first super team book goes to uh, listener Peter Boiserie, um, who not only gave us the one I read out last week was Jaco Alula's Elmar Reindeers, um, but then quadrupled down um, with Are You Sitting Comfortably? Um, the Visit Friesland Elfstedden race, which actually is its name, um, which was coincidentally won in 2022 by Elmer Reinders, or Elmer Reinders, no less. Um, I don't know if that was deliberate, Peter, but well played. Um, the Italian Autumn Semi-Classic. Are you ready for this? Christmas Tree Valley Varesini. Yep. And <clears throat> maybe lower your volume here, but tis the season to be jolly. Wait for it. Filippo Zanana, na 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 na. Peter, thank you very much. That was over and above, um, and I apologise for the singing, um, but we will be in touch with you very soon uh, to get your book sent out. Now, thank you to everybody who took part um, by email, on threads, uh, and on Twitter. Um, and, and also, this is a time to thank you all for, for listening in 2023, not just to the various supplements that we've been putting out, um, but also to our history shows, to our interviews. And to our features, um, which we're going to be doing more of um, next year. We're also going to be changing the way we deliver our premium shows here at Cycling Legends Tower. Um, so we hope to be able to deliver more stuff on the public feed. Um, remember, you can get in touch with us at cyclinglegendspodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you'd like to see. You know, are we hitting the mark? Um, suggestions, ideas. Ideas are suggestions, aren't they, Gary? Um, but yeah, get in touch. We, we're delighted to hear from you, and you know, we, we always reply. Promise. Um, in the meantime, our competition winner Peter mentioned Trevali Varesini, um, which, as you'd expect, is a race that was historically dominated by Italian riders. In 1968, however, the race was won by a 23-year-old Belgian who, earlier that season, um, had also taken his first Giro d'Italia victory, Eddie Merckx. Now, Feed Zone listeners, you know where I'm going with this, um, but bear with me. A couple of months after Merckx's win at Trevally, um, three Americans, Frank Borman, James Lovell and William Anders, became the first human beings to orbit another world as they flew in the command module of Apollo 8. And on Christmas Eve 1968, they broadcast this message to the world. We close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas and God bless you all. All of you on the good earth. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and a fabulous new year. And I'll speak to you again in 2024 on the Saturday Supplement from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivlavello.cc. Cheers.